If you were here uh, last week or if you tuned in last week, we heard the story of following Jesus' resurrection. Uh, he appeared to his disciples beside the lake, beside the Sea of Galilee. And Peter, impulsive Peter, jumped into the water, grabbed the net, and pulled all the fish in. Well, we go back in time before Jesus' resurrection. He's there teaching with his disciples, feeding the 5,000. And we find Peter once again in the water. And I know you've heard the story but we're going to take this story with uh, Jesus and Peter, mash it up with some Mother's Day stories, and see, see if it works. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance away, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? But when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were there in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. These disciples, some of them fishermen from birth, some of them since little boys had lived by the lake, waded in the lake, swam in the lake, but they always knew the beauty of the lake and the danger of the lake. And they always knew if you went out, you used a boat. Imagine these disciples seeing a human being walking on the lake, walking on the water, no boat. Sure, they were terrified. They thought it was a ghost. But Jesus said, take courage. It's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter, Peter, impulsive Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. Peter was asking permission to do what Jesus was doing. I thought of that because when you're a kid, there's certain things you ask your mother permission to do. Can, can we go up to the corner store? And then there's other things that you don't ask your mother permission to do. One day when I was a kid, we got a wonderful idea. You see, my dad was in the Army Reserve for 36 years, so there was always some military stuff around it. He had a parachute, a silk parachute with all the ropes attached. And we got to play with that. We thought we could jump off the neighbor's back porch roof with the parachute. Now, wait a minute. Here's our logic. 
if it works at 10,000 feet, 10 feet would be no problem at all. So we got the parachute, we got the ladder out, we, we started to get up on the porch, but we got a little afraid. And then my best friend Chetty said, hey, we'll get my brother Bobby to do it. And we're like, yeah, Bobby will do anything. He's crazy. So Bobby was the first one that got up on the porch and, and spent quite a bit of time making sure all the ropes were held tight and the parachute was laying just right. And then he leapt off the porch roof and boom, hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. But that's not the best part of the story. Because <laughs> we all thought, well, he must have done it wrong. We'll show him. So we were all going to take our turn doing it correctly. And when I got up on the roof, all of the ropes right in my hand and the parachute just right, my mother's sixth sense kicked in and she came out of the house. And she said, Alan, Keith Brooks, what are you doing? Well, I thought it was pretty obvious what I was doing. I was jumping off the porch with a parachute. And she said, get down right now. Permission granted. So I leapt off the porch, and just like everybody else, I hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. The parachute was no help whatsoever. But the amazing thing, I mean, picture my mother watching her son do something so stupid. What, what was she thinking would happen to me in life? But it never made her lose hope in me. That's just amazing. She always thought the best of me and encouraged me. Peter asked permission. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter steps out of the boat onto the lake, onto the water. What were the disciples in the boat thinking? I mean, sure, Jesus is on the water, but Jesus is special. But here's Peter, literally Peter. They had, some of them had known him since he was little. Peter standing on the wave, standing on the water, walking towards Jesus. But then Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus because he, he sees the wind and he sees the waves and he looks around and thinks, what on earth am I doing? And he begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. How many times as a little kid or a grown-up did you cry out to your mother? Mom, save me, Mom. You know, a mother can hear her child's cry above everything else. Even if there is more than one child around, even if there are people talking, she can hear her child's cry, whether it's far away or near, whether it's in the middle of the night. She can tell if it's a real cry or a fake cry. There's something about a mother and a child that is just a special connection we cry out to our mothers, save me, help me, heal me. Another day as kids, we, we were done with the parachute 
and we were playing a racing game, like Formula One or NASCAR, I don't know which, but we had no cars, we were the cars. We were running around in a circle and we were racing, and we decided we needed a pit, you know, for pit stops. And for some reason, we decided the pit needed blankets. So we hung blankets down from this structure and we put big rocks on top to hold the blankets. Now, it doesn't really make sense, because if you've ever seen a pit, there, there's not a wall between the racetrack and the pit, but we felt it needed blankets. It made it more dramatic. And my job, my job was to pretend I almost got hit by a race car and dive into the pits. And I, I was really good at it. And I dove into the pit. And the one time I dove into the pit, the blanket became wrapped around me and I landed on my back. And as soon as I did, the rock that was holding up the blanket came falling and hit me right in the head. And my friend said, you split your head open. And all I could see is blood. If you've ever had you know, a head injury, it bleeds a lot. And when you can't see it, you can only see blood. I pretty much freaked out. So my friend Kevin went running to my, my house and banged on the front door and said, Ellen split his head open. And my mother came tearing out of the house and down the cul-de-sac, what we called the circle, and grabbed me and took me home. Now at my home, the emergency room was the bathroom. And you sat on the toilet until you were healed. <laughs> so I'm sitting there on the toilet and I knew what was coming next, mercurochrome, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember. Now, mercurochrome was a deterrent for children because it hurt three times worse than any injury you ever had. It was to teach you not to get hurt. And not only was it a deterrent, it was a public shaming instrument because it, for some reason it was orange. Why on earth was it orange? And it would stain your skin orange for weeks. Nothing would take it off. You would go to school with an orange knee and orange elbow. And I thought to myself as I sat there, I'm going to have an orange face. I'm going to have to go to school with an orange face. But wiser heads prevailed. They thought of my eye and they ruled out mercurochrome and I got a bandage. We're talking gauze and tape. I went to school a hero because I had a bandage and I could tell the story again and again of the, the racetrack and the pit and the rock and my head being split open. Peter, remember Peter, was on the water and he was sinking because he had taken his eyes off of Jesus. And he says, Lord, save me. And it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And I have to tell you, as many times as I've read this or preached on it, I've always sort of pictured Jesus with one hand, you know, like it was some jitterbug or they were dancing on the lake. Or like that, that famous painting of God's hand and man's hand. But recently I've been reading a book by Bob Goff, a, a great, great storyteller, and he's, he's funny, so I like that, and he's not real deep theological, so I like that. And he takes a look at this story of Peter and Jesus in a new way. And he looks at it in terms of his own life because he was trying to learn how to wakeboard. And he said, when I was learning wakeboarding, it was really just falling in the, falling in the water again and again. But he said his coach would take a hold of him and he would grab him by both hands and look him right in the eye and say, you are going to be all right. 
And he says, that's how I believe Jesus grabbed Peter. Not with one hand, but by both hands, looking him right in the eye and said, you are going to be all right. And then Bob Goff thought of something that I've never thought of. That Jesus walked Peter back to the boat. That he didn't say, well, sink or swim, swim back. No, Peter walked on water twice. He walked towards Jesus, then he began to sink. And then when Jesus took a hold of both hands and said, you are going to be all right. Jesus walked Peter back to the boat. And I thought, how many times did my mother walk me back home? She walked me back home when I was hurt. She walked me back home when I did something stupid. She walked me back home when I was in trouble. She walked me back home and everything was all right. Now, I know I've told the story before. In 1976, I was in San Antonio, Texas with a mission project for the whole summer. And there, there in that summer, I fell in love. I fell in love. 18 years old, met the love of my life. And I, we decided, the two of us, when the summer was over, I would go home, drop out of college, and move to Madison, Wisconsin, where she was from, to be with her. It's a great plan. It's pretty much as smart as jumping off a porch with a parachute. That was our plan. So I came back from the summer and sat my parents down and told them that I was going to drop out of college and move to Madison, Wisconsin with this girl, the love of my life. Well, my mother had what they called back in those days a conniption. Have you ever seen somebody have a conniption? Or have you had a conniption yourself? She flipped. She flipped. She said, Alan Keith Brooks, you are not dropping out of college. You are not moving to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, well, Mom, you know, Alan Keith Brooks, you are going to get on the phone right now. Call that girl and tell her you are not coming. Well, uh, uh, Alan Keith Brooks, you are going to get on the phone right now and call that girl and tell her you are not coming. So they marched me into their bedroom where the phone was on the desk. Remember those big old phones? And I sat there on the phone and my mother stood right here. Why I told her I won't be coming. And I cried and she cried and my mother stood right there. But when I look back at it, my mother walked me back from a really stupid decision. How many times did your mother walk you back from a really stupid decision? Saved you grief and anguish that you couldn't even realize. Our mothers were great at walking us back home. And, and the scripture says when they got back in the boat, the wind died down. Everything was fine. When your mother walked you back home, everything was going to be fine. And some of us, when we're older, have the privilege of walking our mother back home. You know, when the roles are reversed and the parent becomes the child and the child the parent, and we have the great privilege to care for somebody that loved us so much and to walk our mothers back home and everything will be all right. Because when they got into the boat, everything was fine.
As long as Peter had his eyes on Jesus, he was all right. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at his circumstances of life, he began to sink. I don't know what it is you're going through in life or what it is you're facing, but know this, you're not doing it alone. Jesus is with you. Your mother may be in heaven. She may not be there to call or to to lean on, but Jesus is right there. And as long as you keep your eyes right on Jesus, you will be all right. Amen.